Hello, I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Hello, how are you doing? All right. It's Easter, isn't oh, it? Gosh. Children home. Yes. How bad is that? How much have you drunk? No, have you got an extra supplies? <laughs> I've got an IV set up in the corner. Uh, yes, no, mine have only been back for a few days. But it's already quite stressful. Well, I was hopeful because my son, because he's doing his A-levels, he was supposed to have holiday school. But then he decided not to go this morning. So that was a disappointment. Oh, anyway. great. Coming up on today's show, are you struggling to find common ground with your family since your children became teenagers? Mm. Yes. No, obviously. it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> we'll be talking to Stella O'Malley, an expert on family life. So talking of teenagers, they're all at home because it's Easter. Yes. Yes. Also, this is a really rubbish holiday. Easter holidays, because, you know, at least with Christmas, there was something to do. And, you know, there's a little bit of a festive. It's like, ugh. ugh. Well, mine have got exams, so it's even worse because yes. they really shouldn't be on holiday at all. Yes, actually. my daughter's doing A-levels. I know, nightmare. Which, which nobody, do you understand <laughs> what I'm going through? A-levels. No, no mine is the same. I'm, I'm My son is doing A-levels and it's... Yeah. It's very dramatic. <laughs> it makes me laugh so much every time. No one understands me. But it's interesting. They all do it differently. So my daughter, when she did her A-levels, basically disappeared for about three months into her room. Mm. And every single piece of her wall was covered in post-it notes for revision oh, purposes. Like a serial and killer. Like a, literally <laughs> like a serial killer. Excellent. Or one of those complex police investigations. Yes, exactly. And couldn't speak to her. It was just not, I, I just gave mm, up speaking mm, to her. Yes. I would just put chicken, salmon and rice in the fridge and leave her to That's it. That's what I'm doing. And I'd, she was brilliant, actually. Yes. But my son is, on the other hand, is he's definitely externalising his anxiety. Oh. Yes. She internalised it, which was great. Right. And then well, he's externalising it and it's manifesting in extremely sort of vocal So, so my, my youngest one is playing football against the wall in his bedroom next door to my daughter who's like, hey, levels! <laughs> she, it's like a hobbit comes out or <laughs> or like the hornet's nest has been kicked by this, this, this sort of banshee that arrives and then screams at the top of her voice while the other one is deliberately stirring deliberately it up annoying her. by yeah. kicking the ball against the wall. Anyway, this is, but this is going to be all Grist Stella's mill. It is going to be grist to seller's milk, exactly. Mm. I mean, I do think that the thing is, I mean, well, our generation left home at 17, didn't we? Pretty anyway, much. no one cared about it. I love us. No one cared. <laughs> Whereas my son came home at 5 a.m. on Saturday night. Oh, that's unforgivable. And it's a work night for me because I have to write on this. No, sorry, Friday night. 5 a.m. Didn't you? You should have played and with Rod Stewart very loud with, in the with morning. all of his friends. They also came what? home. Yeah, no, they all sat downstairs having chats and smoking and drinking while I was upstairs. Oh, you see, I would have arrived like the exorcist yeah. in my nightie at well, that point. Well, I was point. like when I wake up in the morning, I was definitely the exorcist. Right. I took great pleasure in waking him up. Good. Early. Good. Very important. Anyway, to Stella. When children become teenagers... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting it out now. It's going now. well already. Yeah. Family life can get complicated. Mm. <clears throat> Don't you say. Mm. Our next guest has spent years helping families to understand each other and her new book, What Your Teen Is Trying to Tell You, with a brilliant, I'm slightly getting distracted already. No, go, go ahead. But the cover has got a brilliant 
angry face <laughs> sweary emoji on it, which basically encapsulates my entire I know, which I didn't know teenagers. that actually meant that. Yes, well, anyway, it I'm does. I'm so pathetic. Anyway, the book, What Your Teen Is Trying To Tell You, aims to help family life become more harmonious. Mm. Stella O'Malley joins us now. I love the cover Hello. of your book. If you saw the WhatsApp messages between me and my son. Uh, <laughs> you do you get really sent like, that? No. I I've got, never no, seen I that, that emoji. But I do get quite a lot of other emojis and do they do you? go on for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> uh, this, I think this is a really interesting and essential book. I have to say, I think being the parents of teenagers has never been harder. Yeah. Do you think yeah. I'm right or am I just being useless myself? Because <laughs> I have an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old. I have to say, the 19-year-old is almost exemplary now although she did give me quite a run for her money yes she, she did grow gray hair 14 yes. yes she she basically did all her teenagering when she was between sort of 14 and 16 mm. and now seems to have got it out of her system my son has had a slightly more delayed reaction to being a teenager mm. and just so i'm putting my cars down i have a 13 year old son mm. and a 17 year old daughter mm. so the okay Help. Well, uh, as soon as we're confessing, I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. Right. But it's not, they are not who I'm writing about. Are when you I'm sure? writing about, yeah. <laughs> Well, they might get a look in. Yeah. But um, I'm writing it because, you know the way you end up working with what you're most good at? And I, I've ended up working mostly with teenagers and with parents of teenagers. And honestly, I have come to the conclusion that parenting a teenager is very difficult these mm. days. Mm. I don't know if it was really hard in other decades, but I do know it's got increasingly harder in the 20 years I'm working in this field. There's two things kind of happened. One, which is childhood has got ridiculously magical. It's like this extraordinary playful time where they get everything. They get these lovely activities, mm. Legoland, Harry Potter. They're told to kind of wish upon a star by society, not necessarily their parents, but by the world. If you try hard enough, you'll win. You know, the good guys always win. Mm -hmm. And then they hit this brick wall of reality mm. in and around 12 or 13, where they realize all of that wasn't true. And it was kind of us dallying in this kind of magical world. You know, yeah. got, it's very enjoyable. Mm. Yes. But they come into my practice and they look like they've been hit by a train. And over time, I realize you're very disappointed in the teen experience. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I am. I know I had a lovely childhood, a very little to give out about as such. Mm. But I'm really disappointed. I'm kind of figuring out that sometimes the bullies are good looking and popular mm. and sometimes you, you don't win. And actually life is really unfair. And everything I was taught for the first 10 years of life, I'm being kind of ripped away from mm. in the next 10 years of life. That has been set up in the last decade or so in an extraordinary level. Every other decade, like childhood was nice, but it wasn't that level mm. of unreality. And the second obvious thing that's come in is social media. Mm. which is very complex and very sophisticated. And it's coming in at about 10 or 11. They're mm. asked to interact on a level that's way beyond them. And it makes them anxious. Yes. So they're disappointed and they're anxious. But the thing is, they're introduced to a, a totally uncensored adult world as well, aren't they? So I think I think there's so many things. I think that's a fascinating take, actually, because I'm in my childhood. I was a very mild and frightened teenager most of the time and bored a lot of the time. And I think from quite a young age, we had quite sort of a lot of responsibility, like we had to get ourselves home from school. 
I remember babysitting my baby brother. Yeah. You know, so, you know, my parents would go out in the evening and I'd be in charge. And I think that's absolutely right what you say about this sort of idolized childhood. And then we sort of smash them into the brick wall of social media and then wonder why they get a bit confused. And anxious and disappointed and sad. And they think that they're not doing teenager life mm. right. Yeah. They think they've got it wrong as opposed to, no, 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 no. This is a really hard time. And do you think secondary school is where the proverbial <laughs> really hits the fan? Because yeah. I, I think that transition from being in a relatively it's, sort of safe yeah. environment to being sort of in a much more challenging scholastic environment is quite difficult to handle. I think it hits them really hard. I really do. So many of them... In primary school, like they are supported. If they have any extra needs, they're supported. Mm. People know them. There's a lot more leeway. And then often one or two kind of slightly difficult things happen just coming up towards the end of primary school. But mm. they're handling themselves. But it's it has got a bit grimmer. And then secondary comes and it feels like, oh, my God, mm. this is grim. This is difficult. Very few people around me are happy. Everybody's anxious. It's doggy dog mm. for popularity. And it really, it really does feel like a very unsettled and not very fun world for them. Do you, and, do you think we were sort of we fetishized the early years? And I do remember somebody coming out of one school once, and the mother shouting at him, saying, "For God's sake, it's not all carrot sticks and hummus." <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly do think that perhaps it isn't all carrot sticks and hummus. No, it's definitely not all carrot sticks and hummus. <laughs> and I just thought yeah. it would make me laugh a lot. That's... But I do think there is a certain, yeah. you know, what you're saying is that you know it is all about fairy dresses yeah, and wands and glitter and. But also, I think the thing is that there are so many pressures on them now. You know, this whole sort of trans thing which is very complicated yes, and true, frightening yeah. for a lot of them they're being introduced to a lot of kind of difficult kind of I yeah. think quite sort of complex and existential questions existential, yes yeah. I mean that identity crisis you know which is what the t being a teenager is yes. all about it feels like it's, it's been given extra layers yeah. of difficulty but I mean, we normally did that with you... Leonard Cohen <laughs> in yes, our 20s you know I mean I remember thinking that I was a bit far out trying to do the David Bowie makeup yeah, exactly. you know that was me I mean are you finding in because you're you practice don't yeah, you are you finding in your practice that this is getting worse that they're finding is this well, a thing that yeah, comes what, to you what I'm finding is it's getting more complex and more sophisticated Mm. each you know, like kind of year on year like the, the concepts that have been asked to kind of understand for example trying to tell an 11 year old why a online pylon is happening to them mm. they're like it's too big for them if you follow me it's mm. too complex and it's it's too sophisticated for us let mm -hmm. alone for them so they're living on a level of sophistication where you know even 50 years ago you could see how things worked mm. you could see you know literally if you couldn't you could take apart the radio mm. now there's this level of we don't know how anything works i have no idea how mm. wi-fi works or any of that mm. and they're coming in on this world where they're not sure how things work. They've been kind of given the rules and it's a really complex kind of life that they're landing into. And it's interesting that the most common response is anxiety because they're kind of, I don't feel sure of myself. Mm, I don't no. feel sure of Also, anything. the school day did end when the school day ended. So, yeah. you know, even if you did have the good-looking bully being horrible to you, at least when you walked down the end of your road and closed your front door... It was gone. ...they couldn't get you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now I've it follows had, you to your bedroom. Yeah. And, and I've had, you know, young kids, 11, 12, tell me, like, I know they're talking about me on another group because they've created another group oh, because don't. there's a bit of yeah. a silence, there's a time yeah. lag between how they answer me. 
that's really hard mm. for for some. And in in my book, I mentioned you know about my. Uh, she's actually my beauty therapist, but she still believed in Santa the first time she got drunk. Mm. Which, which <laughs> it's I extraordinary, but that's extraordinary. Like it's it's a com it's that combination mm. of weird childlikeness. Mm. At the very same time as complex experiences mm. kind of collided. How old like, was we? Fun. How old was she the first she, time she got drunk? She just was just literally a late, maybe a week thirteen. Okay, right. But like back in the day, people weren't believing in Santa at no. thirteen. No, they, they just weren't. weren't. Mm. No, they were nowhere near it. But the fact that she did believe, mm. and at the same time was drinking mm. like see, it's, my it's daughter had a, my daughter had a terrible situation where she was had a massive pile on she i mean too, i mean yeah. a properly nasty one because hers was exacerbated by the fact that her father's cabinet minister and all this mm. kind of stuff and and so she had literally millions of people cancelling her and i remember going through that with her and seeing her entire reality Whoa. sort of collapsing in on itself. Mm, mm. You know, like a lot of teenagers, she was on TikTok. She had a lot of followers. Oh, my God. And someone put something in the newspaper. It was during COVID about Michael having had a test or something. Jumping the queue. Jumping the queue. Yeah. And it went off the scale. Mm. And I remember oh sitting sitting with her just thinking, I cannot, I don't know how to catch you. I don't know how to yeah. catch you in your falling. Yeah. And it was Awful. Mm. It was the worst. Awful. It was. I felt so desolate for her, and you know she's a tough cookie. She's pulled it round. Remember, we had the lovely Gay Longworth mm. on with yeah. her her daughter who'd had that terrible online. Yeah. So this was her. Gay and Roxy Longworth who wrote a book together about her teenage nightmare called When You Lose It. And what happened was that she was basically duped by some kids at school into sending a sort of Naked boob picture photos. to somebody. Yeah. 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 And then they sort of shared it and before yeah. you knew it it was all over the place everywhere. but it is as you say i mean i find it quite hard when i have a twitter pile on which mm. you know yeah and and it, it it upsets me i'm sort of pretty long in the you're tooth. a teflon coated karen <laughs> uh, you find it easy i'm joking <laughs> i'm queen of karens you know i should be I'm able so to deal with this. but yes no i mean you're quite tough i mean yeah. and you're used but to a it, pylon but... a pylon is a very shocking experience yes. it's shocking you're just like thinking they're rabid if they mm. were in front of me they'd kill me yeah. it's very very frightening now we know that feeling but to see it mm. for a child i don't know how that would impact mm. them but I'd say the feeling of seeing the underbelly of society, you can't unsee mm, that. Mm. You know what I mean? Once you've seen it, you've seen it. But this is uncharted territory, isn't it, for yeah. people like you? I mean, totally. Well, how do you deal with it then? What do you say? What are you doing with your yes. teenagers? Because they're say? just they're oh, just yeah. coming into land now. Yeah, but also, what do you uh-huh. say to your clients when they come in and they say, this has happened to me? What's your... Because the, as a grown-up, your job is to try and fix things always. And well, you feel that you want to fix it. And this is unfixable. So It is totally unfixable. And first of all, I'll go with my clients because that's so much easier mm. to answer. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and I wrote a book about bullying called mm. Bullyproof Kids. And that gave me a really good insight into the kind of nature of a pylon and the understanding of group dynamics. And what I find is when somebody comes to me and they've suffered kind of online difficulties... The more we can analyze the group dynamics, what has actually happened, how it's happened in history, how it's a kind of universality kind of thing with humans. We're quite tribal. We do kind of jump on board Mm. in really awful ways Mm. in history. And the more that they can understand this is about group dynamics. This is about leaders. It's about followers and if you can understand what's happening and see that it's happened to other people, you're much less likely to walk away thinking, 
I am bad. Mm. If they can walk away with a deeper understanding, now it's a horrible understanding because mm. you're teaching them a, a nasty truth about humanity, mm. but it's the truth. Yeah, and yeah. it's accurate and they can walk away with a strong sense of I'm changed. I don't feel as good towards humanity, but I feel I have a better understanding mm. of them. And I actually feel there's more steel in my belly after mm. that. But and that also, would and take also time. it's not about them. Yeah. It's nothing to do with their character it's the flaws. Group, yeah. It's about it's the group yeah. dynamics. Other people. Yeah. Just a yeah. copy of Lord of the Flies. Yeah. But that yeah. would help. That would be it. Wouldn't oh, it? Such, a, such a great book. <laughs> yes. You know, so so representative of Bylon's life. Yes. yes. Remember Piggy and stuff. Oh, oh my God. Poor little boy. I know. No. And, you know, I do kind of talk about that in the book. But turn to art, turn to literature. You know what I mean? Get them to like read it or listen mm. to it. You know what I mean? Something like that reading that at the right time and mm. you'll just realize this is humanity yes Th- this is not me this yeah. is you know what I mean but with my own kids yeah I do not profess to be a great mother I'm very narky and uh, short-tempered and <laughs> I certainly good. don't have this vibe of I've got mothering sorted because <laughs> my, my kids would fall over laughing if they <laughs> heard that <laughs> but do you think if you're a parent coming into those years now, yeah I mean, with hindsight, I wish I had had a little bit more information and understanding of what was about to happen. Or maybe just say you're not allowed your phone until well, you're but, but then, 13 yeah, but, but or then, don't be on TikTok. But then the thing or, is that I don't yeah, know. the problem is it's very difficult to keep them off it because literally every other person mm, that they know uh-huh. is on it. And so you can't say to them, you can't have any social media because then they will be the only person who doesn't have any Mm. social media. Mm. And I think the thing is that if you see it as a sort of dangerous place and you teach them methods Mm. of coping with it and explain to them, I think what most parents do is they wait until, like I did, they wait until a bad thing happens and then they they kind of wise up and then they work out some strategies. But if I had realised the dangers, which I just didn't because I just, you know, I'm not on TikTok and I don't post pictures of myself on Instagram mm. and all that kind of stuff. I think if I'd understood... You do your dog. To be I, do my do- I do my dog. <laughs> if I'd known how to warn her, if I'd given her, like if I'd been able to give her a list of things, yeah. you know, you can do this, you can be on TikTok. Block people. But this is how you yeah. manage it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Some sort of I strategy. Th- yeah. I go into that very much so in the in the book, mm. talking about the strategies around you've got to kind of have, let's say, for example, I, I recommend that you would have the younger teens passwords. You know, you would have the ability to turn off the Wi-Fi or mm. turn off their access mm. to certain platforms at certain times at night that maybe you don't have any tech in the kitchen. Mm. You take the tech out of the bedrooms at night. All that sort of kind of just general kind of guidelines to keep some level of control because mm. When it gets out of control, it's very hard to retrieve control. Mm. So I'm very much be all over it in the first five years, like from 10 to 15, mm. like be all over it. Mm. By then, usually the madness has happened. Yes. Really, by then, they've, they, you know, they've learned a few kind of bitter pills and they're all right by then. It's those first. I think people, an awful lot of parents presume when they're 11 or 12, nothing mad. is. Going You're right. On. It's exactly That's the mistake that I made. Happen. I assumed yeah. because... I mean, I didn't know anything until I was mm. about 15 or 16. I was a very late developing teen mm. and I sort of vaguely assumed it would be the same with my children. Mm. And of course, it wasn't at all. I mean, they were 10 but, but you, but you, you lived in Italy and yes. had very thick glasses. But I had very thick glasses <laughs> and lived in Italy and was taught by nuns. So I basically didn't understand anything about the world no. at all. Everyone says now that teenagers are at their most unhappy that they've ever been. I mean, is this true or is it another oh, right. fallacy that we're question. all being yeah. told 
You know, I'd love to know this because all I know is, well, we're measuring it more than ever. We're thinking about it more than ever. We're talking about it more than ever. What would have been considered bullying in in 1985 compared to today would be a very different, you know, scenario. Mental health is so much emphasis. Having said all that, it does seem to me that in my years of practice, it feels tenser year on year. It feels more online year on mm. year. It feels like the kid from 2010 versus the kid today. It does seem now that's not research. That's mm. just a general. Now, the, the research is starting to come in that around about 2012, we had more smartphones than dumb phones. Mm. And around that's when an awful lot of anxiety started to spike in young people. We won't know this for 40 years that we'll be able to get some Mm. sort of kind of real comparisons. Mm. So it's very difficult to assess it. But I do think I strongly think that we're handling mental health very badly Mm. so that an awful lot of people, whether they are depressed, they feel depressed, they think they're depressed. There's an awful lot of people who are self-diagnosing, especially young people. Yes. And they're kind of all over the place. Mm. We do have our living memory Mm. and we do remember like how there was always a small cohort who were very distressed in teenage years. Then there was the larger group who had kind of who were unsettled, but seemed to have fun in lots of different pointers. It feels like there's an awful lot of people who are going to therapy, an awful lot of children who are seeking medication. It feels like it has got a lot more professionalized. Mm. They're sick, they're distressed. And I don't think it's working. I think that. the other thing is, is that if you say you have anxiety that's almost like a badge of honor Mm. amongst today's teenagers especially on the internet and on social media if you do the whole sort of i'm very anxious it's like validation you get a lot of validation from it's frightening it's you know whereas my when i was growing up as a teenager it was the opposite if you were sort of if you were moping around you were considered to be weak and a bit annoying debbie downer debbie downer (laughs) and it was you know the the thing that got you friends and popularity was being fun and interesting and always you know keep your lamps lit they they also seem to have a lot of the vocabulary but none of the knowledge Mm. so the idea that you know i've got ptsd Mm. or i've been triggered by this what do you mean ptsd from what traumatized yes what what from not having which war zone sorry which war zone were you in did i miss that war zone (laughs) did i miss you doing a tour of duty in afghanistan your uber didn't turn up (laughs) or the internet went down for five minutes i mean not to be mean but there is that sort of ptsd is a serious thing it's not something mm. that you get from, you know, missing your Uber being late. Yes, I know. That's why I think we're doing mental health very badly wrong. I think yeah. in the last 20 years and, you know, very much good intentions. We've mm. ended up in this hell, but that we started using, you know, the way we approach self-harm, the way we approach suicide, the way we approach anxiety. It's like the teenagers have normalized it into their ordinary life mm. as opposed to realize that this is something very serious that we need to watch out for the very small number of people. Mm. We haven't done it right. So now it's spread like confetti Mm. and teenagers are incredibly impressionable. Mm. And so we're going to go into their mind. It sticks in their mind and it spreads out from there. But also they get we're we're handling. But also they get rewarded for it because this is this is the problem because they get the attention and they get the time and they get the extra time in exams and they get the count. And and so, you know, it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. If you just feel that's so where well yeah I, I agree with you and that's where I start feeling like we're on a train on a collision course here because it feels like it's getting worse they're not really kind of 
really understanding mental health, but they talk about it all the time. Mm. They're using their diagnosis as shields and also mm. as ways to get, mm. like you said, to get different resources that will make their life easier. And it's like, OK, well, society has done that to those kids. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not, not their fault. If, yeah, no, 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 it's definitely not their fault. fault. Do you think they're playing the system then? I think the system is inviting them to play. Yeah, the well, they're way. teenagers. That's what they do. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. you know, they're sort of you've been hacked. No, basically. They're, well, they're <laughs> well, they're basically they're crafty as monkeys, aren't yeah, they? I mean, yeah, they're yeah. very bright usually, and mm. and their their job is to push against the mm. boundaries, and mm. the adults' job is to hold the boundaries. Mm. But if we're not holding the boundaries properly, and we're yeah. not, and I'm not saying us as parents, I'm mm. saying us as society. Well, why are we so rubbish? Well, What's happened to us? I think we've lost our way. I bl- I'm terrible because I probably shouldn't, but I blame the mental health history- industry. And that's embarrassing because obviously I've written a book here and I'm a, <laughs> I'm a psychotherapist. But I think we've really badly, badly brought mental health into society's mm. thinking. So in 1985, there would have been a lot. I don't know why I'm fixating on that year. But anyway, Great in the year. 80s, the, there was a lot of things put under the carpet and that was awful. Mm. But, you know, too far east is west. And now we've got the opposite mm. of putting under the carpet. It's everywhere. It's confetti. And it is made people a lot more emotionally distressed, a lot more weaker in themselves, a lot less self kind of contained. Mm. And so it's like, okay, when are we going to call it that we're not doing this right? The way we are speaking about mental health, it's there's something about it that's just really weakening people. Problem is that there's a lack of resilience Mm. because they're not really taught to be resilient then yeah. because you know the thing is everybody has their ups and downs and you know when you're you're a child or a teenager it's fine to be miserable for a couple of days because a bad thing mm. has happened to you that's totally normal isn't it that's a normal response but what you need is resilience so mm. that you can then climb so get, out of your hole yeah, so get knocked down seven times yeah. come up eight i mean that's the sort of the maximum yeah. that we were taught yeah exactly yeah. i also wanted to ask you do you think that lockdown has had an impact on? Are you seeing any sort of, yeah. uh, what are you seeing coming out of that? Because I, I think, think they're terrified. I think lockdown has had a huge impact. We were already not in a good place mentally. And then lockdown happened. One, like the parents, all of us collectively just threw up our arms and said, we're being told to put the kids on the technology. So any kind of feeling of control that we did have on technology got walloped during lockdown. Mm. So there was a a kind of a free for all around technology that really kind of a huge amount of very bad habits happened. Mm. A slobbiness kind of came into Mm. life that is going to kind of have derailed a certain cohort. Mm. Some young people put on weight during COVID for no other reason than they were locked down, if you follow me. And that will set them on a course for life, Mm. if you follow me, sadly. Mm. And so there's also a lack of social skills and there's this huge kind of thrust from an awful lot of young people, which is I don't want to meet my friends. I prefer being online with Mm. my friends. I don't want to meet them in real Mm. life. It's too hard. I feel awkward. I feel unsure myself. I don't want that. I feel sassy and on my game when mm. I'm online. But also they have these identities online that are completely detached mm. from their real identity. So I, I did a piece recently about this bold glamour filter on TikTok, which makes you look like a sort of cross between a porn star and a bunny rabbit. Anyway, <laughs> but we interviewed some you know, young girls, sort of 16, 17, and they said they would never post a picture of themselves online without previously doctoring it or oh God, putting yeah. on a filter yeah. so the thing is if so you know, in real life so you're a disappointment in real life yeah. you're a disappointment yeah. so you're you know you go to the actual 
real life party and yeah. you meet your real life friends and you're all much less pretty than you look on, yes. on the and internet. And that's what they say to me. They say to me, I'm better online. My friends are better online because everybody's witty because mm. you've got time to kind of construct your answer. Mm. So there's all this. And they said things like the sex is better online. And I'm like, you probably haven't had any real life sex. So no. you think the sex is better online. You think your friends are better online. An awful lot of people as a result of COVID didn't go through the barrier of the social awkwardness that you have to go through true. to get good Absolutely friends. Absolutely true. Yeah, yes. they're, yeah, they're not going through that. Yes. And they're saying, I'd rather stay looking good, looking online mm. with my filters in a very comfortable place in my bedroom. Mm. And, and they also never went through that, that period this. where they actually went to things like going bowling or useless sort of social events that don't involve yeah. alcohol. Yeah, and also so they've gone yeah. straight from sitting in their bedroom exactly. to cider. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. There is nothing in between. They don't know how to socialise no. in between. Go to the cinema. I mean, do young people go to the cinema well, and I mean, I just anymore? remember. I, think they do. I, I just remember spending hours and hours sitting on people's bedroom floors yes. playing records. Yeah. And yes. They're and now they're do what they're doing Painting is talking to each other online. Mm. Yeah. So you, you'd you be online, I'd be online. We'd mm. all be in each other's bedrooms, but I'm in my bedroom, mm. you're in yours. Mm. And that's the new development. And that's where they want to stay. They don't want to mm. meet in real life. And we all learned during COVID that like you could meet your friend online, but it wasn't as good. It, mm. it's something missing. Mm. But that's and because they, they that's because we that we have always done it that way. Whereas if they don't even begin no. to do it that way, then well, I go into that in my book. Yeah. they used to convince me pre-COVID. They used to convince me my friends are better online, life is better online. I'm happy. You're wrong, Stella. And I used to kind of hold space that I could be wrong. This could be the digital native. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> then COVID happened. And then I realized, no, meeting your friend in real life versus meeting your friend online, it's not the same. Something is missing. There's a soul. That, and I don't want to get all religious or something, but there's something mm. about the connection. If we were meeting the three of us in real life mm. versus me being online, it would be different. There'd mm. be something warmer about the experience. Or if it went worse, Stella, I think worse. there'd be some wine. I think well, that's I the just, difference. Just, just thinking I think... that they might, might have gone straight to vodka. <laughs> might have gone straight to vodka. I don't know. I get that feeling that yeah. there might have been drink taken. Yes, but I... they think it's better. And I'm like, you, it's the same as sex. I'm like, yeah, you might think sex is better online. A few boys, quite a few boys have said to me, I just keep the sex to kind of online interactions and the girls I'm friends with, I'm just friends with because I, I can't deal with the nervousness, the awkwardness, the yeah. weirdness of coming onto a girl in real life. I think they, particularly, I think the boys really struggle to have these long-term relationships mm. because they've sort of grown up on online porn and in their mind, yeah. sex is a completely different thing from friendship or any kind of relationship, isn't it? Well, it's, it's very transactional. It's very much, you know, you do me and I do you. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's not intimate. It lacks vulnerability and it lacks warmth. Mm. And they will very vehemently argue that it's better. And I would say, no, mm. you don't know what you're missing. Mm. And that vulnerability leads to intimacy, leads to something really, really But that's really so weird because beautiful. they think they've got a much better EQ than we have. You know, my daughter's generation think that, you know, that we're not woke enough, we're not sensitive enough to other people's opinions or their ideas or we're brash and we don't take anyone else's ideas into consideration. And yet at the but same that's time... we're right. I know, it. but then at the same time, they've got the most transactional, dreary, dry, boring sex going on I've ever heard of in my entire life. It just seems to me that the two things are diametrically opposed. Mm. I agree with you. I don't think wokeness is a sign of mental health. 
No. no. On any level, I don't. I Do you it. think it's a sort of extended anxiety? I think it feeds into all of that stuff about, you know, just not really learning how to interact with people and therefore being absolutely terrified of saying the wrong thing all the time. I agree with you. And not only that, it's a, a kind of a, a terror of conflict. Mm-hmm. Rather than just if you disagreed with something, I think you could see from me and I could see from you that I could handle it. Mm. And we'd kind of roll along and you'd say, really? And I don't agree. But if you're afraid of conflict Mm. and if you've been brought up that like the house of cards is going to fall down if we disagree, Mm. I can see it, you know, with the teenagers I work with. They're afraid to be anything except love you, hon, love you. Yeah, this is great. Mm. Anodyne. Then they go back to their room and they're seething and there's self-harm and there's an awful lot of kind of internal... Or they're playing sort of aggressive video games and it's all very internalised, yeah. So, no, I I don't think any of the the, the kind of toxic positivity... Toxic positivity, I love that. (laughs) See, I get this a lot with my son who does not want to get up in the morning and go to school. Understandably, I completely get that. I never wanted to get up in the morning and go to school. I mean, I don't understand why... Once they get to the age of 16, can't school just be in the afternoon? Yeah. Because they'll well, just, until the early evening. just make it so much. Well, I can go until 3 a.m. as far as I can do. Anyway. <laughs> they probably like that. <laughs> they probably yeah. But every time I get up and I get quite sort of strong, you know, I, I'm at first I'm nice and then I'm less <laughs> nice and then I'm a bit less. And then I just lose it and say, goodness sake, just go to school. And my son does that. He says, why are you being so negative? I'm not being negative. I'm just asking you to go to school. Negative. Yeah, no, but that's your right. So this, well, your toxic positivity really strikes a chord with me. Yes, it's absolutely true. Why are you so mean? Don't be so mean. Why are you fat shaming somebody? I'm not. That skirt's too small. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, I really do think that it's very puritanical. I come from Catholic Ireland where, you know, an awful lot of people were, it was suppression. And the way it is now with wokery and and wokeness, whatever you want to call it, and this kind of toxic positivity is a huge amount of dark feelings are suppressed. Mm. And it's like then they see something like a pylon Mm. and they're like, oh, my God. So what happened to Smiley? Love you, hon. Well, I mean, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that the people who do the pylon are always the ones who have be kind in their bio. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I don't even understand <laughs> that there's anything wrong with that, but that's no. what I discover. Or the little lots of little heart emojis, little heart emojis, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. That's hilarious. Is there any hope, Stella? That's yes. my question. Or should we just stop breeding now? Yes. I mean, it sounds to me like no one's going to breed anyway because no. they're all online sitting in the bedroom. I, I, that's true, I yes. think there is hope, and I think there's going to be a backlash. Mm. I think there's so much suppression of our darker instincts. There's, it's gone so kind of under underground to be in any way negative, mm. if you follow me, mm. that I think there's an inevitable backlash. I don't know how it will come, but I think it will be irreverent. It, it will be, you know, punk like in its mentality. Mm. Otherwise, I think just people will just burst. It's a pressure die of boredom. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll die out, literally, because they won't boredom. ever have actual sex. Love you, hun. Bye. They'll, they'll love you, hun. They'll just be having, I mean, it's extraordinary that they think that, for me, I suppose I grew up in an analogue world. Yes. I just don't understand. You're a Luddite. How any, no, I'm not a Luddite. Oh, no, actually, just, no, I'm not, actually, that's I'm true. I'm not a Luddite, but I just don't understand how 
something that is inherently physical, like sex, which, yeah. you know, it's actually the essence of physicality, yeah. can happen online. It just yeah. can't. Yes, it's have you not seen sex. those horrible phones with those lips attached to them? No, I have not. <gasps> have you seen those phones with the lips attached to them? You can kiss your girlfriend miles away. Oh, no! Yes, no. actually horrible, fake little plump lips. You know, there's a multi-billion phone. industry trying to keep those kids online with their <laughs> lips, and it's not fair for them. It's really, anyway, I don't, I don't think they have it easy. I really don't. No, true. It's such a good book, honestly. Every parent, Thank even you. if yeah. you don't have to. I mean, the other thing I would just say as a last thing is that I used to think that it was incredibly difficult having a toddler, and then huh. when I had a teenager, I was, I just like, yeah. I know you were very <laughs> superior for quite a while. Get to say it's coming for you. <laughs> yes, I've been doing that to her because hers are a bit younger just than me. Wait. So, when, so when Imogen used to come around to my house and sort of look down at her nose at my appalling <laughs> teenagers and say, "Well, I mean, mine doesn't well, do that." Right? Yes, you, do that's because that. yours mine is six. Still, mine is still watching Blue Peter. How dare you? <laughs> yes, there's yeah. nothing quite as satisfying as seeing your friend who's been a bit smug about her brilliant children. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> should be banned. Should be banned. I write it in a way that you can dip into the book mm. and dip no, it whatever yes, the very, issue it's is. It's very, very good. It's very user-friendly, I think. Yes. Yeah. Which is very so, user-friendly. Because I know people might want to read it all, but there are some things just to give them a bit of psychology of why the kid is doing mm. any given thing. Mm. It can help them out. That's Are you the tempted to write a book saying what your parent is trying to tell you for teenagers? <laughs> That's a really good idea. <laughs> Although they don't read books, do they? So you'd have to do it as a no. podcast. Yeah, or, or I do know, I, menu. <laughs> I, know, I know one parent said to me, I know what my teenager is trying to tell me, but I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not listening. I'm putting my fingers in my That's ears. That's very I funny. <laughs> my teenager is usually trying to tell me that they would like more Deliveroo. Oh, really? Is that it? Yes. Yeah, or to Takeaways. Top, top up their car. I had a row with my son the other night because he ordered a delivery without <laughs> asking me. That's rude. Uh, it's just unacceptable. Yes, yeah, And then and then it got worse because after he'd ordered the delivery You're without being asking me, again. he said that I was, yeah, he said I was being really negative. And then he said <laughs> that there was no food in the fridge, oh, which shush. actually drove me completely oh, apoplectic with rage yes. because the food, the fridge was full of food. It just yeah. wasn't full of pizza, which yeah, is already made food. Already made well, food. I, I, lo- I like this idea. This boy whenever he sees so if the police are like arresting somebody or the judge hey you've been negative so be so yeah, negative. negative oh my god I'm going to use that now all the time so be so negative <laughs> yeah. when someone just says no they don't want to do it don't be so negative embrace uh, positivity yeah, yeah. you're right hun well Stella that was yeah. great everyone should buy it yes what your oh, team is trying to tell you much. angry face emoji by Stella Amali <laughs> thank you very much Stella lovely to talk to you bye now thank you if you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you would like to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Actually, have you still been, Imogen was hacked. hacked. Oh, I'm, have you I'm, been unhacked? I hopefully as of, yes, today. Okay, good. Yeah. Excellent. At Imogen EJ. Mm. There are no substitutions except no imitations. <laughs> You've been listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine. Thank you. Oh, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 